It's no secret that writing can be lonely work, but does it really have to be? Whether you're full-time, part-time, or just starting out, you'll get insights into the tricks, tips, and production habits of writers from every level of the biz. From best-selling authors to those launching their first novels, you're sure to be in the company of friends as we encourage great writers to divulge and share their secrets. This is the Great Writer Share Podcast with your host, first-time dark fantasy author, Faye Trask. Hello, and welcome to episode number 53 of the Great Writer Share Podcast, a podcast where every week we hijack an hour or so of time from some of the kindest and hardest working writers around today to join us on the show and discuss everything that makes them tick, roar, and bounce. My name is Faye Trask, and it is the 13th of September as of recording. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you are a regular listener and missed the previous three episodes, what are you doing? You missed some great goodies, but it's okay, because you can still go back and listen. After this episode, of course. For now, I'll fill you in a little. Episode 50 had a big announcement, which was, Great Writer Share has expanded. Instead of just having the wonderful Dan Wilcox interview every writer he could get his digital hands on, Holly Line, John Crinan, and myself have come on board to help widen the field and bring you all the tips and tricks we can get our hands on, while bringing you our own flavors to the show and still giving you that same show you love. A little about me, I am a dark fantasy author. However, unlike my fabulous co-host, I am unpublished. That's right, I still got that new writer smell. So let's dive into my personal update. So this week in the United States is Suicide Awareness Week. I just wanted to touch for a moment on mindset because... As Persephone says in the very beginning of the intro, writing can be lonely work. And I know how we all get behind our keyboards, diving deep into the depths that people don't want to go into usually. And we get so lost in our own little world. We need to remember to reach out and talk to people. Doesn't even have to be long, just for a few minutes. I personally have been going through a bout of burnout. Unfortunately, my burnouts last for about two plus weeks. So hopefully I'm coming back out of that now. But when I burn out, it is because I do not stop. I don't give myself the time to take a break. I don't give myself the chance to relax and recharge. And we all need to remember to do that, myself included. Right. Now, on to question of the week. Big thank you to everyone who answered the question, as posted on Patreon and Facebook. The question we asked was, how was a writing group or partner helped you in your writing journey? The fantastic Yanni Jade says, I only joined the writing group I'm part of in March of this year, and I have learned so much about the craft and myself. 
I didn't know writing communities existed, and I certainly didn't think I belonged in one since I am such a rookie. That's not true, Yanni. But I was so wrong. I have so much support and virtually met some incredible individuals. I wish I had done it sooner. Absolutely. Yes, I am on board with you, Yanni. Our own Dan Wilcox responded saying, I feel that, Yanni. When I joined a writing group, it was terrifying. Thinking that everyone had earned their place and I hadn't, after a while, you just learned that isn't true. Absolutely could not agree more, Dan. Absolutely. We have an amazing Slack channel where we have writing sprints. We have this crazy group that all we do is support people. So why wouldn't you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to join a writing group? If you join one and they just don't click with you, leave it. Join another one. There is someone out there that can help you. I promise. (laughs) Today's guest is Ritu Batal. Ritu and I got to sit down and talk about how life can prioritize over writing, how writing groups and accountability can help push your novel further, and how different it was to publish poetry versus her first novel. I am so excited for you guys to take a listen. Before we get into the show, we wanted to remind you about our Patreon community over at www.patreon.com slash greatwritershare where for as little as $1 a month, you can get involved in our behind-the-scenes group, benefiting from early ad-free episodes, join our private Slack channel, ask upcoming guests any questions, and get involved in our monthly giveaway. So if you like the idea of upping your author career and getting all of that good stuff, then one more time, that is www.patreon.com dot com slash great writer share. And now, without any further ado, let's dive into the interview with the one and only Ritu Batal. Today's guest is Ritu Batal. Ritu is a blogger and author of fiction and poetry. She was born in Bern. Birmingham, UK, in the mid-1970s to migrant parents hailing from Kenya, but with Indian origins. Ritu's colorful background has been a constant source of inspiration to her. From childhood, the joy of reading spurred her, I can't read this morning, spurred her on to become creative in her writing from fiction to poetry, winning small competitions at school and locally along the way as well as wife, mother, daughter, sister, and teacher. Ritu also writes on her award-winning blog, butismileanyway.com, which was awarded first place in the best overall blog category at the 2017 Annual Bloggers Bash Awards. The best blog, best book blog, I'm sorry, in 2019 Ritu is happily married and living in Kent with her hubby dearest and two children, not forgetting the fur baby. Now, you'll have to say the fur baby's name because I can't do it. 
Ritsu, welcome to the show. Hi there. Okay, fur baby introduction. It is Sonu Singh. Sonu Singh. Okay, yeah, I would have never got that. <laughs> yeah, Punjabi. He's my Punjabi cat, so we gave him a Punjabi name. Oh, I love it. I love it. Totally adorable. I've seen the pictures on Instagram. He's so cute. <laughs> He's hiding at the moment because he heard me on a call. He, He's a bit of a scaredy cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so I, I absolutely love your intro. And we've talked offline and through the Rebel Author Group. And you've been a huge help motivationally for me. So when I got this offer to join Great Writer Share, I'm like, you're going to be my first interview because that's, that's going to set the level right there for me. <laughs> Right, I'm popping your interview cherry. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, tell our listeners kind of where your writing journey began. Oh, how long have you got? Um, it's a, a long journey I've had because uh, I've always loved writing and reading and all of that side of things. But um, before I got married, so nearly 20 years ago, I decided I've got a book in me as everybody thinks they've got. So I started to write uh, the beginnings of what was my first novel. And uh, life just got in the way. So I did a few thousand words, thought, hey, this is really cool, and then got married and then got swallowed up in the whole Indian, great Indian marriage side of stuff where, you know, I'm moving from one city to another, I'm living in with a different family and all sorts of things. So the book got put on hold. And then I rediscovered it again a couple of years into marriage, started writing a little bit more, had a few people read it from my work at that time. And one of the girls was like, yeah, I think this is really cool. You should carry on. So I thought, okay. And then again, life happened. Um, I ended up uh, sort of in a bit of a funk because we were trying for family and we had a few uh, issues uh, down that road. So Again, a couple of years of not even thinking about writing because we were just trying very hard to increase our family numbers. Then once that happened, then obviously kids. I'm just sorry, kids. That's all I can say. Uh, they don't let you do anything, do they really? So I was working, getting into my teaching job, being a mum, being a daughter-in-law and everything like that. And then I came, I happened upon blogging. I'd never heard of blogging before. In about 2015, a friend of mine uh started a blog and she was writing posts to help with her depression okay so she, yeah she'd written a post and she'd put it up on her facebook and said i've started a blog and i'm thinking what the blog is i don't know, I don't know what, i've never even seen a blog i was very very uh, new to social media and things like that even at that time and uh she said oh if you want to read it and comment on it i you know i'd be very grateful so I went on there, read it went to comment and then you had to sign in to wordpress to make you know to uh, leave a comment. So I did that and a few moments later a little email pops up and says why not start your own blog? So at about half past six in the morning just as I was going to work I suddenly decided to just start a blog. Not I hadn't got a clue what a blog was. I didn't know what you did on it. I didn't know what you wrote on it, how you wrote, what was a post, what was anything. <laughs> but I just that was it and it's just escalated from there that I began to meet people via the blog uh, writing extremely stupid posts as you do initially. I have no niche even even now my main blog doesn't really have a niche as such but it's garnered a big following over the years because of uh, 
think the rubbish that I write, I think sometimes. But <laughs> well, that's but good, I, right? <laughs> it worked. So that's a good thing. So I, I started writing the blog and, you know, followers get, I, I created what I like to call my bloggerly. Sasha will know this. So when we had the awards, um, I even re rewrote and sung the lyrics to uh, We Are Family, except I did We Are Bloggerly. So they are, everybody who's kind of become part of that community is part of my bloggerly. So lots of brothers and sisters, uncles, aunties, everything. You know, I've even got kids on there, I think now. But um, they kind of spurred me on to do some creative writing. Uh, and then I joined a few prompts and things like that. And then I was like, does anybody want to read the thing that I wrote like, you know, 15 years ago? And um, so I, I put it out there first, maybe seven or eight chapters that I had written. And I got such lovely feedback that really that was what spurred me on to actually finish writing the book that had been germinating for so, so long. Um, and literally it took until 2018 for me to actually finish a whole draft. Wow. So that your book, Marriage Unarranged, started in 2000. Yeah. Wow. It started in 2000. Um, and even that, then that was the first draft. And then it was the same thing. I, I'm a teacher, I'm a mum as well, and time is so precious. And getting the right time where I was fresh and able to write was so hard. I'd come home mm. from school and after dealing with everything else, you know, I'd sit down at my computer and my mind would just switch off. And I'd always see everyone talking about the NaNoWriMo month in November. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think to myself, oh, if only... But November is like the worst year, I think, for teachers because the worst month, sorry, because you've got your Christmas things coming up. There's assessment months. There's this. There's, and it's probably one of the longest terms of a school year as well. So yeah. by then you're exhausted. So I made my own one up. And so I called mine Reno Rimo. That's Richard's Oh, one. I love it. Yep. And I did that in August a couple of years back. And I was like, right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to so every morning in August, I woke up in my summer holidays, told the kids, hey, if you want to stay in bed, stay in bed. I really don't mind so that I had peace. And if you don't want to, please just don't disturb me. Um, and I, I literally wrote, I tried, I aimed for about two and a half thousand words a day. It was my, my sort of thing. That if I can do that, I might be really close to finishing this blasted story. Um, and I did. I, I mean, I, I think I emotionally and mentally exhausted myself during that month, but I did it. And I got over 60,000 words written in that month holy cow yeah. it still wasn't finished though that's the thing because I still had things that needed doing to it but it was nearly there and but yeah, a couple of months later I finally did that first the end you know and it was like oh I've done it what do I do with it now <laughs> and you know then it was just the rigmarole deciding do I want to uh look for representation or do I want to go down the indie route so right. it's a lot of uh time for me to really decide what I wanted to do I took advice from various people and uh, I did submit to a couple of places and I got what I like to call positive projections from them you know some quite nice feedback from people but they weren't accepting or whatever and then I thought to myself it took me 20 years to get this far nearly I'm just going to do it myself right <laughs> so as I you know if it takes me another 20 years to like the next one then you know if I'm waiting for a person to uh, actually decide they want to represent me I may be dead before I'll be like published or something so uh, I thought I'm just going to do this so again I took the advice of great people like Sasha and a few other friends of mine who are authors who 
have gone down the self-publishing route, as long as well as a few traditionally published authors, um, took advice from various people, found my uh, cover designer, found lovely editor, and I'll tell you what, the Rebel Author Group was fantastic as well. I, I love that group yeah. so much. <laughs> I mean, I'd already got my cover designer sort, sorted out and my editor was all sorted. But I mean, I had uh, I had copyright, uh, the copy editing done by somebody from the group as well, from AIM. Um, and I had a couple of others who said, if you want beta readers, we'd be happy to, you know, beta read. And it was so lovely because I'd already built up a good community of people who are more technical followers of my blog as well as just people who follow for the sake of reading my rubbish and you know so i'd already built up a lovely group of people who had already said we'd be happy to you know i had a couple of alpha readers initially just so i knew i wasn't going totally off the rails and then when it came to beta read stage the same setting up blog tours and all of that kind of stuff i i was blessed that i had so many people behind me you know, ready to do. I think they were just as excited that I was that I'd finally got the damn thing written. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I I love the writing community. I'm in Rebel Authors and like one other group, and the actual indie communities are just phenomenal. I think I've got the most writing done since I've joined that Facebook group, and it's just like, yeah, I'm I'm cranking. Let's go. <laughs> It is. I mean, it's just the, the motivation that you get from being accountable to people, I think, is the biggest thing. Yes. You know, it's like if people have critique partners and things like that, it's one thing. Um, I don't, there are places around here locally to me where they do have writing groups and things like that. But for me, it's a time thing. I don't have the same time as other people to just meet up randomly in a coffee shop because half the time they do it when I'm at school or when I'm being mum or whatever. Yeah. So having that accountability even though it's online, has been really helpful. And even when you have your down days, there's always somebody there who's ready to just G you on a little bit as well. Yeah, and they send those awesome gifts and just like, hey, you can do it. It's like, that's, that's what I needed. <laughs> and so, all our sales, there's always Snapchat and things. Like exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Marriage Unarranged, you said, took you 20 years. It's out. I've got it downloaded. I just... I have yet to open it because it's on Kindle. I'm like, oh, I need the paperback. So I'm waiting for it in the mail, but it's coming. Is that a standalone or are you going to make it into a series? It was a standalone initially. And uh, then people who started to read, especially my beta readers, I think, said, love it, love it, love this, love that. What happens here? what do you think could happen there? Oh my goodness me, I could see this happening or there's a story about this because it's, it is a story based upon a specific character and her experiences, but the story has got multiple points of view and it brings in her brothers and her best friend into it. So you get to know a group of characters really well on the journey through the story. And um, then basically it's ended up being that it is a standalone but it's got offshoots i guess is the best all right way. so it's got a possibility to be a series if so you wanted got, to go that way oh well i well put it so i've got two already planned one is halfway written now and the other one is is planned as well because i've written like i said my my genre i decided to make my own so it's chickpea curry lit so chick i love that <laughs> yeah um I try to be, I'm, I'm not a serious writer in terms of, you know, I don't write hard hitting issues and I, I, I don't want to 
create waves, but I want to entertain, and but I also want to be able to hit issues that might need covering as well. So within the first book, you know, there was the whole, it's like the stigma for especially rural like Asian girls, especially around that time, because it's set in around 2000. I kept it set the time I actually started writing it. So, you know, the thinking that girls at that time and families had uh, very much a stigma towards girls whose engagements break and uh, what happens afterwards. Uh, and within the, the book, then there's also little other little issues uh, uh, like uh, having a child out of wedlock um, and even toying with a little bit of uh, closet homosexuality. Oh, wow. Feelings and things like that. But some of these things come from some of the other characters, hence the need for more books, because then I got people saying, well, what, what about this? What about that? So right. the next story is linked, but it's going along the lines of one of the other characters and his journey. The following, it follows on and goes on to one of the other brother's journeys. And the third book will be the other brother. But they're all interlinked. So there is links between the stories, but they've all got their, their own journeys that they are going on. That is... So awesome. I'm I'm excited for that book to come now. I'm like waiting on the mailman. <laughs> so you have been writing poetry. I see you posted on your blog. I see you posted. You've been you entered competitions. Were those poetry competitions, short stories? Um, um the the competitions were mainly stories, but okay. then uh, the poetry it was a, it's a lot of uh, challenges and things like that that I take part in. And sometimes you may win a mini accolade like Poet of the Week or something like that for that. So poetry is just something that I write because I enjoy it. It just nice. flows. When, when, when I, all else fails, I'll, I'll just turn around and pop out a haiku or something. <laughs> That's awesome. Because you do have a poetry book out. I do. Saw yeah. that on your Amazon page. <laughs> so how long... Were you working on your poetry before you decided to take it and be like, you know what, mush it all together, let's go? <laughs> it, it was literally like that. Um, I started the blog, as I said, in uh, 2015. Not even an idea in my head that I'd ever have one, let alone two books out there with my names on it. Um, and I think as I was taking part in all these challenges I used to do, I amassed this huge amount of poems and I was like, they're really, I, I really like them. Um, I'm quite impressed with myself with these. And then I actually dug out some old ones that I'd written before as well when I was at university, going back a long, long time now. Um, and uh, then they kind of settled into these four groups. So uh, the book is called Poetic Rituals. And it plays on my name because the ritual and the ritual in there. Yeah. So. You know, I kind of, I put it into four different uh, sections. So there's like family rituals, relationship one, you know, humorous life rituals. So they're like four little sections and the poems just fall into those categories. So they're ones very family based ones. And then there are some which are more emotional. And then there are ones which are just about life situations that do my head in, like taking my kids shopping or when the printer doesn't want to work, you know, really silly things. Um, it's, it's just a... I, I, they, they fell into these cats and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just do this. I'm going to make a book. And, uh, and that was it. And at that time, KDP wasn't KDP. It was Create Space still doing all the print and things like that then. Oh, okay. So I had spoke to another friend of mine who had decided to do a very similar thing. 
and we just uh, she goes yeah I just did this and I downloaded this template and then I pressed to print and that was what happened and that's exactly what I did I literally sat there and it was the, the formatting I didn't have things like vellum and stuff at that time so it, my formatting was all very much manually done but I did it and then I you know I spoke to another blogger who made covers at that time and he made me the cover which I was like yeah all good I'm happy and yeah I pressed publish and then suddenly I had a book <laughs> that is awesome oh man I do you know it's funny because I'm a Virgo and I need to know what happens when and how things happen but then I must have some other trait in me because I can be extremely extremely spontaneous all of a sudden out of the blue that that's me not like too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's me I'm a Virgo all the way August baby love it <laughs> beginning of September so where's that your birthday coming up then mine too (laughs) (laughs) that is so cool I'm I'm like loving it (laughs) so you published poetry you published a novel were the processes processes for that the same were they different did you run into different obstacles for each one or how did that kind of happen to be honest I don't think I ran into any obstacles with the poetry one because I didn't have a clue what I was doing so if there was an obstacle I didn't know if it was one I just got on with it and just went oh that says this I'll just do this instead and I think that time it was more that I was excited that I was going to have a book and the book was going to have my name on it I didn't care about anything else I think that was literally it it was one of those dreams and once it was done, it was done. And it was just, you know, if somebody picks a copy up, it's just a little bonus for me. You know, that's the, that was how I felt then. As, you know, if anybody actually wanted to read this, I, you know, I'd be like, wow, thank you. I'm forever grateful. I don't know why you bought it, but, you know, it's amazing. Um, so it was smooth for me on that, like, that respect. When it came to the novel, I had a lot more vested in, invested into it in terms of, you know, 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> You know, 20 years of doing it and obviously being being uh, independently published, obviously it's your, you've got a lot more financially invested into it as well. So it's not just the emotional investment. It was a financial investment. I need to do this. I need to do it right. right. I just found myself very lucky that I had people around me who I could speak to. And that's one thing I've always said that you should never think that you're too big to ask for help. Absolutely. You know, if there's anything that, you're not sure of or you know something's not working there is always somebody out there who will happily help you and that's how I've always found you know uh, when it came to the story itself so I had a group of people who I had on text so if something didn't feel like it was going right I'd, I'd be able to message them and say I'm trying to edit this and rewrite it and I don't know what to do or this should I do this should I do it so there was somebody on that level that I could contact and have some kind of help with when it came to the cover uh, again I had this little group of people who I could say is this the right kind of thing I'm doing what do you reckon can I have the feedback or you know am I just going down the wrong end of the stick um pr- promoting I I've done some promotion I haven't probably done as much as I would have done because then we ran into this funny thing called the pandemic so, <laughs> so that kind of uh, scuppered a few things that I might have done but um uh, I, I had a, a, a contact who organizes sort of 
online promotion. So I did a little a mini deal with her for some some promotion. But I also got help from people in order to do the promotion myself, setting up deals and things like that. But again, I was like, this is only my first book, novel-wise, so I need to just pace myself and take it one step at a time, see how things go. Right. And that that's basically how I've done it. So I wouldn't say I've come up against any brick walls as such. Um, and I think I'm one of these people, the way I see life is I don't see brick walls. I just see another hill to get over. That is an amazing outlook. I love that. I'm going to use that now. <laughs> Because I I run into brick walls all the time, and I'm like, I got to stop doing this or I'm going to look like a pug. (laughs) (laughs) I think I I credit my dad and my mum for the way I look at life and things because they are very chilled out as well. And, you know, my dad has always just got the most chilled out answers for anything and everything in life. So I think it's just meant that that's just how I try to see life myself as well. There's always a silver lining. And that's what I look for. That's awesome. That is so awesome. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, I'm just like reeling in everything because I've been nodding this whole time. Our listeners can't see, obviously, but I'm just like, yep, yep, I agree with that completely. So, you've baffled me. <laughs> How do you reward yourself when you've finished a project? Do you go by like word counts, like I got my words in today. Do you do it by, I've just hit print on my book. So now I'm going to go treat myself. Like, how do you do that? It's funny because like I said, when I hit publish for this book, I was so excited, but it was more of an internal excitement because I was in the middle of term and, you know, there was just things going on and everything. You know, I had plenty of plans. I had things I was going to do and then it just didn't materialize. But when it comes to small targets, I always like give myself small targets. And my reward is to give myself me time. To be oh, honest. Yes, that it, is. <laughs> I'm not, um, I'm not somebody who needs stuff unless it's stationary. Um, so, you know, if it's, it might be that, you know, one day I might say, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to get myself a, a manicure or a pedicure done or something like that. But I try to factor in that regularly anyway. So I don't count that as a treat. I think that that's my thing. Like at the moment, obviously, nothing has been done because of pandemic. Right. But um, me time. So it's that, you know, give myself an hour with my book where I can read. And an un- uninterrupted reading time or something like that. Or um, uh, just getting out for a nice walk. Peace. I think peace is what my reward is. If, I, if somebody can give, make sure I have peace for a little while because the rest of my life is just not peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand that completely, <laughs> especially with the unfortunate pandemic that's globe trotting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, uh, the only other thing that I would do is I treat myself to stationary. If you're looking for the next best thing to invest in, Try investing in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early, which could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. So invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Visit GoForward.com to learn more about how Forward can help you manage your long-term health risks for one flat monthly fee. That's GoForward.com. Yeah, I've I've seen your writing yeah. projects. Oh my gosh, they're yeah. gorgeous. Well, I, 
I'll, I'll show you, you know, one else is going to be able to see it, but see, I've just invested in some, some special pens, which are metallic oh. brush pens and they're not, they're not cheap. So I wanted to get them for ages and like they cost something, but then I also managed to get another set, which is an even bigger box. It's full of oh, of Wow. <laughs> that box is massive. Yes. I think there's like 72 pens in there. But they're special pens. And again, like I said, they were something that I've wanted to get for ages. So I, I've been saving a little bit myself. But then we also just recently had a special day that um, Indians celebrate called Rakri, which is uh, it's like a sibling day. Where oh, you okay. Sisters tie a special um, string around their brother's wrists. And it's kind of like a, it's a, it's a nice connection and it's, it's sort of a, a promise between the siblings so you're always going to look out for each other and you're always going to be there for especially with the going back to the old days with the brothers I'm going to look after you I'm going to make sure nobody ever hurts you does anything right. now it's a, it's mutual but the nice part of it for us sisters is we tie the strings we give them something sweet to eat they give us gifts oh my god I need that I need that so much <laughs> gifts or money um and that's honestly not why we do it really I promise <laughs> uh-huh I, I come from a family of 29 first cousins. Yeah. Holy. So, yeah. I've, I've only got one brother, like my blood brother, but I have a lot of cousins. And when I used to live back in Birmingham with my parents, a lot of my family is in the country here. So on this particular day in August, it would be great because we'd literally get in the car and we'd drive around to all my cousins' houses. So I'd be there, tie, feed, cha-ching. <laughs> and literally, you know, you'd come out and, and going back a long time, I said, was, you know, come back with like 50 pounds. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> um, and now my son and daughter, obviously, they've got each other they're not part of a huge group of cousins because there isn't any cousins and the only two well most uh, my brother has two boys as well so my daughter does have another two cousins but they live in Finland so oh. they're not here um and again it's a thought that counts we always send them their things you know and if we when we see them you know they do do stuff but um about a few years ago we were in Birmingham for a wedding a family wedding and this specific day actually fell right in the middle of the whole wedding ceremony and uh, all the excitement of the build-up to the wedding so my daughter it's the first time she'd ever been in Birmingham when we had this ceremony and this festival and she suddenly had a whole lot of cousins like second cousins and stuff who she could go and tie them on she came out of there with about 90 pounds and she her eyes were just like mom can we be in Birmingham every year for this <laughs> <laughs> that is great but yeah, so, so these pens, and my my brother and my brother-in-law, so my husband's brother, uh, they're the two who I will always make sure I send to my brother and I tie on my brother-in-law every year. And this is this is my gift to, it's not from myself, it's from them really, because they, they gave the money and then I bought the pens and that's my gift from them. Well, there you go. <laughs> Worked out all right for me. <laughs> right, <laughs> absolutely. That's That's when you know it's good. <laughs> I love, that's the, one thing I loved about my childhood in the 90s was those metallic pens and the gel pens that were like milky and kind of pastel and then you can't find them anymore and it's like, well, what the heck? Like all the girls had those pastel sparkly pens and it's like, I have a standard black pen that my dad used. (laughs) Myself and I see pens anywhere. I end up 
I may never need them and I'll still end up, you know, picking them up. Like I didn't need highlighters, but they were pastel. So I Oh, you, you needed them. You did. Don't lie. <laughs> I really didn't need sparkly pastel highlighters. And then suddenly they sat in my Amazon basket and arrived one day. I, that, that's, that's my addiction is stationery is my addiction. I won't show you the notebook box because you, I probably need a box to put them in now because there's so many of them. Oh my God. <laughs> that, that is great. <laughs> so what, with all these fancy pens, what does your daily writing routine kind of look like either before or during the pandemic because I know that that has thrown so many people's lives completely out of whack mine has I guess thankfully stayed the same I have not missed a single day but Mm -hmm. from your perspective I mean you're a teacher you just got a new position yes and like how does that all kind of fit together it's all been, I mean, I've always found that when it comes to term time, my writing takes a dip, no matter what, because I am literally exhausted at the end of days. And I know some people say, oh, just get up half an hour earlier. I'm like, I'm already up at six o'clock. I'm yeah. at school at half seven. And I sometimes don't leave school some, you know, till five, half past five. And then I come home to be mum and wife. So sometimes I have to be realistic with myself that, you know, there's going to be days when I've actually got the energy and I've got the idea and I might be able to squeeze in a half an hour of writing. In term time, I don't give myself like a target because in my eyes, any words are a bonus if I manage to do anything. If I I was really feeling I needed to do something, I'd probably do more of a a reread of what I've already written and maybe tweaking a little bit of editing as I go along because I need that focus when I'm actually writing when it hits the holidays that's when I think okay I've got this many weeks or you know days I can do this and what's really good now is because my children are both at that teen tween age sort of thing they like sleeping in the morning (laughs) yeah so I I'm up early anyway I'll get up and I, I sit there and I my routine in the morning is once I've got my cup of tea and everything I'll I'll scroll through my social media, go through any notifications, make sure I'm up to date where I need to be. Then I open up my laptop and um, I write for an hour or two. Um, Until until I hear people moving around, then I'm like, okay, I won't be able to write much longer. But, you know, I'll I'll do that. And like now I've got Scrivener, which I'm loving. Oh, Um, yes. Yeah. So I didn't have that before. Before in my head, I was like, right, I need to write this many words and, in, you know, every day. So I've got my project target set. So at the moment it's set to like 80,000. And uh, I said, let me give myself until the end of September. So I know that's going into term because I've got to be realistic. I probably won't be able to write three, 4,000 words a day because my husband works from home as well. And I'll have to make sure the kids are occupied. So I can't spend all day writing. Right. So I'll give myself until the end of September and see where I go. And then I popped in all the specifics, you know, and it told me at the beginning of the holidays, if I wrote about, you know, 1500 words a day, every day I could do it. And what I've been trying to do is over the last two weeks since I've been back on holidays, I'm upping myself on those targets so that daily number has come down. So like today I opened it up and it was like, you need to write 900 and something words a day. And I was like, oh, brilliant. This is getting good. <laughs> so even if I, I can still write more, obviously, but it makes me feel better every morning when I open it up. And I see that that target number of words per day has gone down a little bit. That means I'm that close, that much closer to it. And if I can do 
another couple of weeks of those kind of writing days, you know, I'm possibly 20,000 20, words off the completed project. And then, wow. I'll, then I'll wait until the next holiday if I have to. Or if I, if I get, if that get up and go is there, I will open it up in a weekday during work, you know, term time and carry on writing. I'm, I try to be realistic because, and I don't want to burn myself out. That's Especially because of everything, like you said, pandemic wise, schools that I know that in the US, everybody is so worried about how they're going to get their kids back. And I know teachers, friends who are teachers who are very concerned about, you know, going yeah. back to school. And so we've also got that happening, but we've been back for a while as well before the holidays started. Oh, wow. So I was in school with a reduced class for about five, six weeks. But obviously when we go back in September, it's going to be kind of a bit mad because we'll be in full classes and it's how is it all going to work? I work with the reception children. So they are ages four to five. That's their first year at school. I'm going to have to deal with kids who've probably not seen a kindergarten or nursery for the last six months and maybe have only been with their parents full stop. I can't do meetings with them pre, you know, prior to them starting because of the pandemic. They're going to literally have to be dropped at the door and literally chucked inside whereas before their parents could come in and maybe settle them down right so so i i'm reckoning the first couple of weeks i i probably have to write off doing anything bar existing beyond school because it's going to be uh, interesting <laughs> yeah to say the least <laughs> there might be a lot of um fodder i think for, you know future writing projects i think coming out of it <laughs> that i mean you could write a lot <laughs> <laughs> just like every little tidbit this happened today this is a seed i'm gonna use it <laughs> i do i do no i don't yeah i, I do sometimes <laughs> that's great oh man i i know i do like i'll have an issue at work and be like mm, character that may possibly die has just been formed <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, so I mean, writing routine-wise, it's not a daily thing. It's a dependent on what time of year it is for me in terms of how I write. So like now, yeah, I am in that mode where Monday to Friday, I try my hardest to write every day and try and get at least, you know, maybe 1,500 words, if not more, down. And if I can write on the weekend, then I will. But I don't beat myself up if I don't because that's family time as well. Yeah. You know, so... I've managed to do about 700 this morning and that's a massive bonus for me. Uh, that's awesome. Extra set of words to add to the little. I think I've written two words this morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just spelling error. <laughs> <laughs> that is, oh, that's great. So, so you set your goals. Like, do you have different tiers? Like you do a weekly and then a monthly, maybe a quarterly, or do you just kind of, go, this is my end goal and I'm just going to go until I get there. That I, I think because of the way my life is, that's how I have to work it. I, I might, I won't ever write them down in that way because I know the way that life is for me, things just get upended so easily. And if I had said to myself, by this, I want to do that. And by that, I want, and I don't get it, it would kill me. So it's better that I don't raise my expectations too much. And then when I hit something earlier than I expected, then it's just a bonus, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and I also figure that if, uh, if I waited 20 years to get this book out, God, even if it took me an extra year to do it, I think that's a big improvement on 20. So, <laughs> oh, Yeah, absolutely. 
I, I have actually this week just commissioned cover two. So I'm quite excited for that. That's awesome. That's no, kind of, I can't wait till I'm at that point where I'm like, ooh, book cover, because I know <laughs> I'm going to nerd out completely. Yeah, I, just, I look at my cover. I've got my book sitting right next to me. It's sitting here right next to me. It sits with me everywhere because I'm like, I spent so long on that baby. You know, yeah. I had such a long gestation. I was like 17 elephants. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I... I, it's it's exciting to see and it's exciting to see people get excited about it like recently I had a, a a bookstagrammer who took my cover and she flew with it and she's like three oh, four yeah. posts where she'd even dressed in her bridal outfit and oh I love her, those pictures and she had done so much and I was I mean this is not somebody who I've you know said hey can you read my book can you, this is off their own back they've done you know things and I was just I was so touched that somebody would go to that much you know, effort on my book, you know. Right. Send her a signed copy. Be like, oh. you're amazing here. <laughs> I was just, I could, I just could not believe that she would do that. And it was just like, oh, and then, yeah, seeing your cover, like when, you know, when people send you photos or, or they'll put it on Instagram or something as, hey, received this book today. You know, and you see the, your book being held by different people. It's just, oh, it just feels amazing. So now I'm just looking forward to getting this next cover and then, you know, hopefully seeing photos of people with piles of a couple of books with my name on it, which would be really cool. Right. <laughs> what I like to call the Sasha stack. That's yeah. what I've got, a Sasha stack right on my desk. <laughs> I've got I've got a little shelf. It's a make, I, I've had to create my own desk here because my husband's taken over the dining area where we normally sit and do things. So I've got a little portable desk in my bedroom where I try and sit and do my writing um, when he's working downstairs and I brought all my craft books up. So they're on a little, little case in front of me as well. So I've got, yeah, I've got my Sasha stack. I've got my Theosauri, all of them sitting there from lovely Angela Ackerman and Becca Puglisi. Yeah. And uh, there's even a book by certain Dan Wilcox down there as well. Signed, <laughs> one a coffee as well. <laughs> nice. But yeah. I've got all my little writing stuff here. Quite exciting. My little area. That's perfect. So you've, published two books you're still fairly new but what kind of writing advice do you have for new writers like me that have not published yet and are still like halfway through the rough draft my only catch for this question is you can't say to write you can't <laughs> damn that's the one thing i always say <laughs> and um, uh, i would say have faith in yourself oh perfect because that is if, if you don't have your uh, the faith in yourself you, you question every single thing you do one thing i think i have learned because okay i might be relatively new in terms of being published you know being out there like that but i've had enough years on this earth to know that there's never exact right perfect advice you know you you have to learn that there's sometimes the way you're doing it is the right way for you so I started off and I would get all of these craft books and I would watch things or I would read articles and, and one is telling me that I should write in this way and another one is telling me I should be planning and plotting in this way and the other one is saying, no, you need to do this. I started off getting really overwhelmed because there was too much advice out there. And then I kind of took a step back and thought, why am I killing myself over this? You know, um, And as I read books, when I read myself, I was like, so they're telling me I'm to do this or I shouldn't do that. Yeah, I've just read seven books published by, you know, 
one of the big five. And in each of those books, they have not paid attention to any of these rules that Twitter tells us we should be going, you know, the writing community, hashtag writing community is telling us we should be sticking to. And, you know, somebody's blog post has told me this and that that's, so that's when I realized, you know what, take everything that's written with a pinch of salt and you have to look at what you write, you know, with your own lens on initially, because that's how you create your own style. Yes. You may I want excesses of other people, but you want them to love, you want the people who read you to read because it's you and how you write, not because you've written like Stephen King or you've written like J.K. Rowling or something like that, you know? Right. That's, that's so beautiful. I love that. Especially because that was me, like, maybe two or three months ago, because I was binge watching all of Jenna Moresi's videos. And I'm like, all right, I think I got a plan. What? <laughs> yeah, but then you just said this. That, exactly. I was feeling like that in so many ways. Like, and that's like, you know, I mean, when it comes to the actual writing process, you know, I am not a planner at all you know I have a kind of an idea of where I want my story to go mm-hmm. but I don't sit there and I can't do these scene by scene plots I just cannot do it so I like to I know I talked to Dan about this before I think one of his um, posts earlier but I like to think of my writing process as being I have a literary sat nav so nice. what I do is I program it with my end destination and then I put the places I want to stop on my journey and then I hand it to my characters and see which route they take. That's, that's awesome. That's kind of how my process has actually developed. So um, like I said, where I'm writing the second book, I know kind of where I want it to end and I know things that I want to include in it but it's taken some interesting turns already that I didn't know was going to happen. And suddenly these characters are like, yeah, but we're going to do this. And I'm like, ah, okay. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. That wasn't the plan. Okay. No, no, I didn't have a plan, but sometimes you can take some interesting like twists because that's an, it just comes to me as I'm going, like I said, I know where I want something to end. I know what I want to cover in it, how it gets covered is only uncovered as I type. Absolutely. That was all my questions, but I got a couple questions from some patrons that would love to hear your answers. Our wonderful Yanni Jade wants to know, what is the most surprising part of your writing slash publishing journey? Is there anything that stands out as particularly spectacular? Yes. The fact that people liked what I wrote. Seriously, I mean, I, in, honestly, I, I still sit there and I look at the reviews that are coming in. And even on Goodreads, where I keep on hearing people saying, oh, Goodreads is terrible. You know, the majority of everything that people have written, and these are not people I know either. That's the thing. Knowing people I know, I kind of hope that I'm going to get something positive from them, but you can't expect it. But people I don't know who have read the book and who have written amazing things, and it kind of makes it all worthwhile. I think that's probably been my the biggest surprise, knowing that actually what I've written is obviously all right. <laughs> Maybe a bit better than all right, because people are enjoying it. <laughs> that's great. That's got to be such a boost to like, all right, I can actually do this. Like, 
yeah. great. And and like I said about see, seeing somebody take so much time and effort to showcase your book, like that bookstagrammer, I think it was her reading nook, the girl called Jazz. And it was just the way somebody has taken my book. And again, I haven't asked them to, they've done this off their own back and they've just decided they're gonna, I was just like, to know somebody wants to do that is amazing. That's great. So our very own Daniel Wilcox wants to know, what lessons did the school competitions teach you to prepare for writing longer works? <laughs> it was a long time ago, Dan. I'm much older than you. I can't remember that far back. <laughs> I think what one thing it taught me, because there's a couple of ones that I got, you know, uh, awards for, were always based upon my culture, my writing. So it made it, the lesson I got from it was people are interested in a life like mine. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, so maybe there is a chance that a novel or a longer story would actually be of interest to people. Because oh, yes. like I, said, I don't write fantasy or anything like that. I'm not made creating worlds in, in that way. I'm writing about bog standard normal people you know and and sometimes you think is that going to be enough because they haven't got a magic wand and they haven't got vampires and there isn't somebody there who's you know casting spells i've got no vampires no no werewolves nothing but people still want to read books that are about reality yes yes i know that my mom always looks at me and is like what i'm like just read your like other book don't worry about my fantasy world you know me come on <laughs> I mean it's, it's taken the blog and me getting involved with people who are authors and to actually start reading fantasy and, and some young adult books and things that we've never touched before and I enjoy them but I know I couldn't write them you know it, that's yeah. not wouldn't be my strong point you know, yeah up with this, some guy with the turban in the middle of it because you know <laughs> I'm Indian <laughs> and, and he'll be dancing around somewhere but you know I, my brain doesn't work in that respect so I realize that that's my strong point is if I write these kind of stories and if I can write something that is a length that is a, you know novel length that hopefully it would be of interest to people because it's already you know, been proven that people have enjoyed reading the shorter works yeah Write what you know, right? <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. So one final patron question from the wonderful Meg Cowley. She wants to know how you take care of yourself and manage to carve out time to create, publish, and whatnot. I have a clone. <laughs> I need one. They can go to my day job for me. <laughs> I, I wish I had a clone. Um, I think it's realistic expectations is what I've come down to realizing is the best way to take care of me. About three, two, two, three years, in 2018, I got asked to speak at one of the annual bloggers bash about managing your time because everybody was like, you're everywhere. You're there on the blog, you're posting, you're answering questions, you're answering, you know, comments, you're commenting on other people's blogs, but then you're on Facebook and then you're on Twitter, and then you're on Instagram, and then you're this, and then you're writing, and you're being a mum, and you're teaching, and how do you do it? So 
I, I got asked a very similar, can you do a talk on it? And it was like, at that point, it came down to, yeah, you know, I've got to bite-sized chunks of time for different things that I just try and work through. And then I realized that even that was too much, that I could do all of those things, but there was no time carved out for me at all. So last year was the year that I decided that my word of the year was going to be self. So whether it's, you know, self-belief, self-care, you know, anything self my one thing to myself was every week i'm going to make sure that on a sunday evening so to start my next week fresh i'm going to have a really long bubble bath with my book and that's going to be my relaxation time and i'm going to learn to say no more often nice yeah so uh since then that's what i did and i've kept up the the weekly if not more than once now bubble bath thing which is my my special chill time and i have cut back on certain things because I know where I need to focus my time. A, I've got to focus time on work and being a family person. But I've also, if I want to be successful with my writing, I have to carve the time out to write a book, not just blog posts. Because if I don't write the book, then what am I promoting? Right. <laughs> yeah. So where there is a time, like a couple of years ago, I think I posted every single day on my blog, or if not more than once a day. And it was... I, either there were challenges or there was my own original posts like on there and though it was fun it was great but yeah it was like how much time am I doing spending doing that rather than aiming you know going furthering my own little goal so I cut down to you know at the moment I maybe I've got two posts that go on weekly one is like a catch-up post I do and one is uh it's called Spidey's Serene Sunday it's a, it's a Spider-Man post, which is nothing to do with Spider-Man, but it came up when I started blogging because my son was really into Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. And he one of his figurines, for some reason, on the bathroom window, and it was a, he arranged it so it was um, cross-legged and it had his hands on its knees with the fingers out like that. But it looked like Spidey was meditating. Yes. So I took a picture of it and it became a weekly post. So it's like, God, it's been going on for nearly five years now. And I, I always find a quote, or I say Spidey finds a quote, and then I... I talk about that quote, about, you know, something positive to do with whatever it is. So those two things I do every single week because they're like, they're my mini accountability for my readers, I suppose. And some people, they come, especially on that Sunday to read the Spidey post because they like reading it and things like that. Other than that, if, I, if something pops up and I want to write about it, I'll do that. But other than that, my focus will be if I'm writing time, it is novel writing time. Nice. Love yeah. it. Yeah. So that's all our patron questions. We do have a little bit of fun here on Great Writers Share. We have a 10 rapid fire question round. Do you want to go? <laughs> okay. <laughs> totally for fun. If any of them stump you or don't have an answer, go ahead and say pass. There is no obligation. Has anyone ever spent the whole question, all 10 and gone pass, 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 pass? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I do know someone they were adamant on getting the fastest uh, <laughs> answers. And I think it was like 26 seconds for all 10 wow. questions. And I'm like, mm, wow. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. I talk too much. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> all right. You ready? As ready as I'll ever be. There we go. What is one item on your bucket list? To go to Bermuda Triangle. Nice. How many languages can you speak? English, Punjabi, Hindi, Urdu, a bit of Spanish, a few words of Swahili. Holy cow. <laughs> what, 
what are you currently reading? I'm reading an arc of a book called Secrets in the Snow. Ooh. Cats or dogs? Both. Yes. What superpower would you want? Um, slowing time. If you could live in any book for a week, what would it be? Oh, do you know what? This is so hard. I actually never know what to say. People have said this to me before. I have no idea. I think I want to just live in a library. Then I could live in all the books. Oh, nice. Favorite flavor of ice cream? Mint chop chip. Coffee or tea? Tea. Favorite music genre? I like all music, literally. I am multi-genre, Bangra and the Bollywood side. Then it's uh, R&B, hip-hop, swing, disco, 70s, 80s. I just don't do hard rock. Can't do that. (laughs) What is the last movie or TV show you watched? Um, The last movie I watched was not one I watched for me. It was called The Edge, and it was was a docu-movie about the English cricket team because of my son. Nice. That sounds interesting. And that's 10 questions. (laughs) No, not interesting. (laughs) I was being a good mom. Oh, okay. Well, points for that. (laughs) So that is all the time we have for our interview. Thank you so much, Ritu, for coming on the podcast and sharing your time and knowledge with me and our listeners. Please tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and the stuff you're working on. Thank you very much, firstly, for having me. Um, as I said to you before, I'm melting sitting here because it's very warm, but um, I'm slowly setting again now. Um, where you can find me, I'm, I'm in all of the usual places. If you look up uh, um, on Facebook, you find me under Ritu Batal, author uh, on Twitter and on Instagram under Ritu Batal, writer or Ritu Batal. Um, I have a author website, which is www.ritubatal.com. Uh, the blog, the famous blog, is, uh, as you uh, mentioned it before, is www.butismileanyway.com. And uh, while you're there, you want to sign up. My mailing list sign up is on there as well. Thank you once again, Ritu. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Great Writer Share Podcast. Next week, Dan will be joined by book coach and author Janine Nash. Don't forget, visit our Patreon site at www.patreon.com. See you next time. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hi, I'm Jackie Johnson, the beauty talk shock jock, and I host Natch Butte, a podcast that explores the self-care space while laughing, yelling, singing, and keeping things cruelty-free. Oh, yeah. I gab with celebs, makeup artists, 
female indie brand owners, and fellow funny folks about what beauty and self-care mean to them, as well as what's in their bags. Looking good while doing good, we are voting with our wallets, we are buying cruelty-free products, and we are having a goddamn blast laughing with our pals while we do it. That's Natch Butte. This is the Natch Butte Pod. Welcome, baby. Listen to Natch Butte on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, 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 Acast recommends. recommends.